Welcome to another impactful message from Cornerstone Church, where we truly believe there is one hope for every heart, Jesus Christ. If you'd like to check out more resources or view video of this sermon, visit us online at cornerstonerome.com. Well, we're in a series called um, The Armor of God. Today we're going to continue on prayer. I'm taking a couple more weeks on this, and then um, and we'll move on from here. But I really want to um, take the time, to, if you have your Bible or a phone, uh, I, I want to show you a couple of things today. And I'm not going to be able to get through all this, so I'm pacing myself. I'm just watching it and trying to just be led on on how far I can go with it. And I'll just pick up where I left off next week, okay? But I'm just trying to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit and what He wants to say, because I really felt like He wanted us to hear some things on prayer. And so as we share, if you were here last week, if you weren't, go back and listen to the messages. But I just want to briefly, before we get started um, into it today, um, I, I showed you last week, I brought a basketball, some golf balls, and a football and I said, prayer is kind of like a, a sport, okay? There's a ball in all of these different sports. There's a golf ball, there's a football, there's a basketball, there's a baseball, softball. You keep naming it, right? We use a ball in not all sports, but, but most of them. Um, and if you take the same rules that's applied to, let's say, golf, and you try to apply that to basketball, it's not going to work. And the same way is true with prayer. There are a number of different kinds of prayers in the Bible, and for it's kind of like this, if you just take maybe what you've heard, and if you haven't read this for yourself, you might be praying things and wondering why doesn't God come through, or why is there no answers, why do I not get any um, forward progress with the Lord? It may be because you're praying something that's not really a prayer. It may just be tradition. It could be just religion, and it might just be misunderstanding. I did it for years. And I'll share with one of the most prominent ones today that people use, especially in this area. Oh my goodness. This one is used more than anything else I've ever heard in my life. And I just thought this is what you prayed because it sounded real spiritual. I didn't know it was foolish. It just sounded spiritual to me. So don't get offended if if you've done this before. We're just going to help each other out today. Okay. So Ephesians six, let's look at it real quick. Ephesians six and um, chapter six and verse 10. I'll read this to you and then we'll kind of pick up where we left off. Okay. Ephesians chapter six and verse 10. This is the whole series, the context of the scripture of the series we're in on <clears throat> the armor of God. And again, this is spiritual warfare. Everything in this verse is about spiritual warfare. And I don't have time to get into all that again. Just realize it's here. I'll read the scripture to you. Prayer is spiritual uh, warfare. Every other thing above, you know, in this list is spiritual warfare as well. Okay. So finally be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Why would God tell you that if it was an easy walk as a believer? He would never tell you to be strong. You would never have to fight. And Christians, unfortunately, this is what I heard. You know, when I was a little kid, I heard things like when preachers would say things like, just give your life to Jesus and all your cares will be washed away or whatever, some weird thing like that. That's not true. It's not true. Jesus said you're going to have cares, worries, trials, tribulations, but be of good cheer for I've overcome it. Jesus doesn't take anything away as far as the issues of this life. He just helps you navigate it. But don't think because you became a Christian it was going to be easy. Actually, I think you're up against more because now the enemy sees you and says, you're a threat. So welcome to the fight. You you might want to pick up some armor here. So he says, stand, put on the full armor of God. Again, this is the armor of God, verse 11. It's the full armor of God. If you take one piece of armor away, you are not complete. Stand, put on the whole armor of God so you might be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil or the wiles or the deception of the devil. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood. You could put spouse, co-worker, boss, 
friend, whatever you want to say. But your war or your struggle is against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. That's all. Call it what you want to call it. Call it demons, fallen angels, spiritual oppression. However you feel most comfortable using the terminology, they're all the same thing. But there are different levels. Just like there are different angels, Michael is a warrior angel, Gabriel, messenger angel. Uh, Lucifer was the angel in charge of worship. There were three predominant angels that were in charge of things. But there were many other angels. The scriptures say that when Satan, when Lucifer deceived the angels around him, when he fell like lightning to the earth because of pride, it lifted him up. The Bible says this, that he deceived. He deceived over a third of them. They all fail with him. I mean, that, that is tremendous to consider and think about that. But just understand this. There's still more with God than there are with the enemy. But there are different levels. So when he says these different words, understand, it means there's different levels. That's why in some countries, <clears throat> some cities, you feel a deeper oppression than in others. It's a different type of enemy. It's just real. So all you got to do is go to some dark area and you'll feel it and see it. And you'll be like, man, ooh, well, this is weird. That's the Holy Spirit telling you, yeah, either you don't belong here or you need to pray about this here. But if you ever get that feeling going somewhere like, I don't know if I need to be here, that's your cue, get out. Like Lot ignored that. Do you remember that? He hung around Sodom and Gomorrah. Why? Because he thought, well, I mean, you know, I'm just a cute little Christian. I mean, I'm not doing anything wrong, but, you know, I sure liked what it looks like over here, whatever he was doing. You know, you remember Lot, right? He's over in there and Abraham kept praying. He's the only one. But thank God for Abraham because... God got him out because of Abraham's prayers. But the point is this. If you sense oppression in an area, if you sense like something's really weird, if you sense I'm going out to eat one night, and I'm like, I don't know, honey, maybe we should just, you need to listen to that. Don't ignore that. That's the Holy Spirit. You know, he's not always like what you see on TV, you know, and stuff like that. It's, it's mu- he's much more clear and calm than people realize. But pay attention to the Holy Spirit, okay? So anyway, he says this, that therefore I want you to take up the full armor of God so you'll be able to resist in the evil day. Having done everything to stand firm, stand firm therefore, having girded your loins about with truth. Now here goes the armor. Here's the first piece, truth. And having put on the breastplate of righteous, second piece. And having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel piece. That's the third piece. In addition to all, take up the shield of faith, that's the fourth piece, which you'll be able to extinguish all of the flaming arrows of the evil one. And all these you can go back and listen to, okay? Verse 17, take up the helmet of salvation, that's the fifth piece. And the sword of the spirit, that's the sixth, which is the word of God. Go back and listen, I don't have time to get all this, I want to, but I don't have time. Verse 18, here goes the seventh piece. With all prayer and petition, pray at all times in the Spirit, and with this in view, be on the alert, with all perseverance and petition for all the saints. This is the seventh piece of armor, and it is significant. I know people look at it and say, well, where's the armor? What does it represent? But if you knew anything about Paul, Paul was a Roman citizen, okay? So Paul, by being a Roman citizen, he is giving you, this is not God saying, hey, Paul, I want you to make this first piece the belt of truth. They make that real cool and cute so you can make good sermons out of it. That's not what he did. Paul took some liberty here by giving you illustrations from his culture, which was the Roman culture. He being a Roman citizen, a Pharisee, a one of the strictest sect, if you will, he was still a Roman citizen. It would be the same as today as being, let's say you were of the most strongest, most 
conservative Christian group there is, but at the same time, you were a citizen of the United States of America. You could quote all the scriptures you want to, but quoting all those scriptures doesn't always apply when you get into civics. There are laws that are on the books that you have to follow and obey. Even if you don't agree with certain things, there are still laws you have to deal with as a citizen. You can say, well, I think all the kids and teachers, everybody ought to go to their schools and stand up and just pray and shut the school down. Well, that you can say that, but from a law and a legal standpoint, it wouldn't hold much water. Even Daniel, when they told him not to pray or not to do certain things, he still prayed, but he didn't rebel against the authority. Do you see what I'm saying? There's a difference in following God, and you can do it and not rebel against authority. Now, if it goes against God's word, if the Lord says, hey, listen, I want you to, for instance, right now, this is a month where everybody's, you know, this whole thing is going on, so people ask questions, but the Lord says, marriage is between a man and a woman. It's very clear in scripture. So no matter what a Christian tells you, says, well, this person, they love one another. It doesn't matter. You can't go against it. My wife asked me, what are you going to do if the government says you have to marry someone of the same sex? I said, I won't. She said, yeah, but what if they bind you by the law and say you have to? I quit. I go get another job. I'm not worried about it. I am not worried at all. You, y'all, you know, you could do what you want to do. Uh, there's other people giving and caving into it all day. Denominations everywhere giving in this mess. I'm not going to do it. I'll quit. I refuse to do it. Why? Because it violates God's word. Just like I wouldn't sit there and take a couple who were in, caught in adultery and say, that's okay either. That's, I'm not going to agree with that either. Well, don't you think that? No. Fix the stuff, get it right, pray, go through the whole restoration. There's a lot of things to take place. But you understand what I'm saying? I can still respect the law up to a point where, but once it violates God's word, I can't go with it. Do you understand what I'm saying? I don't want to be a rebel. Don't have to be. I can be obedient to God's word and still be respectful. But once we cross that line, now better to obey God than men. So prayer, though, is the seventh piece of armor. Paul, as a citizen, there would have been more armor that the soldiers would have had. And if you study Roman centurions and others and the, the cavalry and all the different ways they were made up, they're different in the way we do it. They would have had something called a, for the lack of a better term, a spear. They had a sword, but they, if you've ever seen Roman soldiers, have you ever seen a picture of them with that big spear sitting right beside them? Well, that's one of many. The Romans, unlike many that went before them, they had different methods of fighting in war. The Romans perfected war. They had various spears, multiple different kinds, maybe 8, 10, 12. I don't know how many different types they created. Some were 16 feet long, very light, for like, almost like a javelin. They would just, and it would just fly and soar. Some were shorter. If you've ever seen the movie The Patriot, you guys ever seen that movie? All the guys, raise your hand if you've seen the movie The Patriot. Mel Gibson, I'll raise your hand. Now watch this. All the ladies, your husband made you watch it, raise your hand. Yeah. Uh-huh. There you go. Oh, yeah, good. That's more than I thought. But do you remember the movie where when the horses are coming in and they're charging in? Do you remember when they took, someone took like, I think a flagpole or a stick and they just stopped it in the dirt like that when the horses came and it just jabbed into the horses? They created pikes, things like that. They would jab in the ground and it would in, you know, impale the horses to throw off the charge of the horses. They had all these various types of spears and javelins and pikes and different things to affect war. One had a, a shank on the end of it, kind of like a thing where basically if you, if you got in and you hit one of the you know, opposition forces with it, it has like this lead-type end on it. So if it went into the individual shield, 
So now, well, they blocked it, but the problem was once it hit through that shield, it kind of formed around the backside of it. It bent, and so they had to snap the thing off, but now the shield's ineffective. Now they can't fight, they can't protect with their shields. So the Romans destroyed their ability to protect themselves with a different type of spear. In the same way, these spirit, there's like prayer. Paul was saying to you, there are many different types of prayer. Use the one that is most effective for what you are facing. But don't put them all in the same category and say there's just one. Because there's not. So, um, like I told you last week, just briefly, I'll, I'll cover this again. Why is seven? Why is this so important about the seventh piece of armor? Prayer is, it is the covering of your armor, if you will. This is the piece that you can have everything else you want to have, but without prayer, um, you're going to be left ineffective. And prayer, Paul would have you understand this, the seventh piece of armor is divine. It is, it is a, a divine number, the number seven. It is appointed of God. And I showed you this last week, and I'll show you again, the, the, the Jewish, uh, the temple, the menorah, is the candlestick. When you read about in the scriptures, that in the temple, God said, I want you to have this lamp burning all the time. They never let this lamp go out. You were supposed to consistently have it burning. And in this menorah, if you see it, it there are seven lampstands. If you read in Revelation, there are seven churches, and each one has a lamp standing. God said, if you don't do this, I will come and put your lamp out. The lamp is significant of the Holy Spirit, the fire, if you will, and the oil burning. And what he's saying is, in this here, there's three on each side, but the one in the middle is the one that God is, is put his stamp on, if you will. And all throughout the Bible, I don't have time to teach this, I went in more detail last week. Just as just a reminder, seven is very important because in six days... The Lord made the earth, star, moon, sun, sky, humanity, you know, animals, whatever. But on the seventh day, he rested and called it a Sabbath or a Shabbat to the Lord. He rested from all his creation and he considered it a divine day. It's a day called, we even call it the Lord's day even. Though we change the day around in our culture here, because Sunday being the resurrection, if you will, it's still one day out of the week, it belongs to the Lord. If you look into the Bible, there's all kinds of things like this. But um, I want to give you another one here so you can see there's not always, just because it's a positive thing, there could be a negative. Anytime you see seven, though, it's God's stamp on it. So let me show you this real quick from Proverbs, uh, Proverbs 6 and verse 16. So, Because why is this important, Pastor Jody? I'll make it clear in just a minute. But if you ignore this seventh piece of armor, it's like saying, I can do the six and I'll be fine. But you don't have anything from the Holy Spirit to empower you with the other things. So Proverbs 6 and verse 16, and I'm going to read this from the New King James just because this is, um, it, it reads easier. It makes more sense to me how this is set up. But I want you to see these six things the Lord hates. Six things. And the seventh, though, is an abomination unto him. Six things he hates. These things are bad. And he says, he hates these things, not the people, but he hates the things that the people do. A proud look, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked plans, feet that are swift in running to evil, a false witness who speaks lies. And then the seventh, watch, and one who sows discord among the brethren. You would think that out of all those lists, wouldn't murder sound more evil than sowing discord? I mean, in our context of our culture, if you ask the, the world today, what's worse, murder or sowing seeds of discord? They would say murder because that's what they, we view from. But I'll tell you what's more deadly 
The reason God is saying this is the worst thing that could be done, the abomination will be sowing seeds of discord, is because, watch, murder is a temporary thing. It's bad and it's awful. But it's an earthly thing. There is still the eternal on the other side. Sowing seeds of discord among the brethren has eternal consequences as well as earthly consequences. Because if you sow discord among the brethren, if you cause another person to stumble, if you cause them to reject Christ because of your gossip, there are eternal weights on that that weigh much heavier than the eternal. Do you see what I'm saying? So what does God say? Better to let it go. And sowing seeds is this. It's planting because eventually they come up. One thing I know about seeds, man, you put some seeds in the ground, we got a little garden going, it doesn't look like anything's happening at first. But when the rain hits, and all of a sudden things are going, it's just some things grow crazy. Like we have beans that are, I thought my grandmother was a little, little you know, I just thought, well, it's a little much to be putting a big fence line up for these beans, don't you think? I mean, this is really necessary. Now, yeah, they're out of control because they're multiplying, they're harvesting, they're coming up. Seeds of discord don't affect just the the earthly. They also affect the eternal. So God says the seventh thing. It's not just a positive. It's also a negative. He says watch out because seven, it really matters. And in prayer, it matters. It's God's stamp. So anyway, so the first um, six things that you see there, if you look at it, they're always dealing with a man. Humanity, but the seventh always has God's stamp on it. So let me show you a couple of these, okay? So at Ephesians 6.18, real quick before we go through it again, with all prayer and petition, pray at all times in the Spirit, and with this in view, be alert with all perseverance and petition for all the saints. So here's the six. I'm going to give you the six, um, uh, the first six prayers. I'll put them on the screen for you. And then the seventh one, okay? And we'll talk about them, like I said, depending on how much time I have in each one. But here's the six uh, we'll put up for you. There's the sixth one. There's consecration, we'll talk about today, petition, authority. These are all different kinds of prayers you can pray. Agreement, commitment, <clears throat> and thanksgiving. The seventh one, if you'll see, watch this. And I taught it last week because of Pentecost, but it is prayer in the Spirit. And uh, just so you understand that, whether you pray in tongues or you don't, it, it is irrelevant. Because I can show you from plenty of verses, I'm not going to fight and argue trying to prove my point. But I don't need to. I don't have to. I'm very confident in this. I know what I'm talking about when I'm saying this. I'm not being bragging. I'm not bragging. I'm not being arrogant when I say this. I'm just telling you, I know what I'm talking about. You can argue if you want to, but there's a real prayer in the spirit. And you can say, well, is that prayer in tongues? You can call it if you want to. Yes. You can say prayer in other languages. Yes. You can call it prayer in the spirit. It don't matter to me what you want to call it. There is a seventh type of prayer and it is empowered by the Holy Spirit and it is real. And it doesn't mean because someone does that, that, that means you're less than if you don't. And it doesn't mean if you pray in the Spirit that you're better than. That's not what that means. It just means don't deny the reality of what is real from God because of what you've heard, seen, or experienced from other people. The Lord, the Lord is real and His Word is true. Can we all agree with that, right? Okay, so let's talk about this morning... This first one, this prayer of, of consecration, okay? And I want you to, uh, from the standpoint of Daniel, uh, when he prayed, understood he had opposition. He prayed and, and he came before the Lord and he couldn't figure out why did not the Lord answer him. And the angel of the Lord said, well, for 21 days. 
I was fighting. Now, guys, listen, I'm not trying to be ooky spooky, but if you pray one time and quit, you might not have given the angel long enough to get through some things. They are warring against things in the spiritual realm. And if you believe in Jesus Christ and the resurrection of the dead, this should not be that off for you. You believe in the resurrection of the dead, this should not be that off. Can we agree? All right. There are angels at war, and if you pray once and say, well, I guess it doesn't work, you've pretty much told your angels, well, then I guess he don't want to do anything. And they back off. Now, you say, well, can you prove that? Sure I can, but let me give you a verse from Jesus that he gave in Luke 18. This is a parable. Luke chapter 18 and verse 1. He says, now he was telling them a parable to show that at all times they ought to pray and not lose heart. Saying, in a certain city there was a judge who did not fear God and did not respect man. Now, just a little side note here. Uh, I don't want to get into this too much, but I just... uh, just to put your heart at ease a little bit and understand what you see around you and the culture that you see around you right now. Is it not true that the two things you see right now in front of your face is this, that no fear of God and no respect of man. It's everywhere. And the one, listen, if the Holy Spirit and the Bible and God's word, it's so evident to those of us who can see and understand and are saved. Jesus said, what? First, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And then what? Love your The most basic illustrations and instructions of Christ. And the world today says, I do not fear God and I have no respect for man. And you say, well, why don't they take? Because they're blinded. And you're not going to fix it by arguing with them. You pray for them. So Jesus said, I want to give you an illustration. Verse 3. There was a widow in that city, and she kept coming to this judge who did not fear God and did not respect man. Remember that. Didn't fear God, didn't respect man. She said, give me legal protection for my opponent. For a while, he was unwilling. But afterward, he said to himself. Now, this is not a representation of God, by the way, because he doesn't fear God and he doesn't respect man. This is, the judge is not a represent, representation of God. This is a representation of a judge on earth, okay? <clears throat> Not that all judges are like this, but you understand what I mean. He's not referring to God here. He's just giving an illustration. This judge says to himself, even though I do not fear God, nor do I respect man, yet because this lady is bothering me, (laughs) he got annoyed. Now, don't look at me like, you know, well, I mean, why would you do that? Y'all just stuck to the books. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. All right. Well, um, if you got a two-year-old or a three-year-old. And, and you're one of these parents who, you know, you're a first-time parent, like, and this is your first kid. Yeah, you look real strong out coming out of the gate. You look real cool with your stuff and all that. But let me tell you something. Three kids later, that second one, the third one hits two and three, you don't even care. What do they want, Lucky Charms? Am I wrong, Mr. <laughs> lucky Charms? You want that for dinner? That's fine. You can have Lucky Charms. There's some nights you don't care. Oh, they're going to sit there and eat their food. Yeah, uh-huh. Yeah, you got, yeah. No, you, you ain't done it long enough. There are some nights you do not care. You're like, you know what? I know nutritionally Lucky Charms has nothing valuable for my child whatsoever. But because she has whined all night long, and because I'm so tired and her mother is exhausted, and the other two are done, and we're all ready to go to bed, who cares? And the oldest one says it's not fair, and the middle one for sure says it's not fair, but we don't care. Because why? We just want some peace. Give her your iPad. I don't 
care. I'll get you another one. Just give it to her. We've all experienced. And if you are a grandparent, you know that. Don't even talk to us as parents right now about anything. Because y'all gave in a long time ago, man. My grandmama does stuff. I go like, who are you? You are not the lady that I remember. No way. She loads the freezer with ice cream. Ice cream. The kids go up to her house and open the freezer. I said, where'd you get the ice cream from my mom's? Did you ask her? No. Well, how do you know she says it's okay? She puts them in there for us. We've all experienced it. And this judge is, Jesus saying, he didn't, this guy doesn't respect God. He doesn't respect man. But he got tired of hearing her. Now, the Lord doesn't get tired of hearing you. He's making a point for you to understand, though. Hear, the Lord says, verse 6. Hear what the unrighteous judge said. Now, verse 7. Now, will God, will not God bring about justice for his elect, talking about you as Christians, who cry to him day and night, and will he delay long over them? I tell you that he will bring about justice for them quickly. Quickly. Everybody look at the neighbor beside you and say, quickly. Tell him, quickly. Now, I don't know how quick you think he moves, but, um, you know, uh, I can't put a timetable on your prayer. Here's all I can say is the next verse kind of sums it up, though, for us. However, you might want to circle that and underline it when you get tired of praying. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? It means... Are you willing to stick it out long enough even when you don't get what you're asking God for? Because sometimes it is a matter of faith. Like, I mean, I don't, it doesn't mean you've got to have superhero faith. It just means, can you just stick with the Lord long enough even though opposition keeps coming at you? Um, it's not fair and it's not fun and it's not right. But nowhere in the Bible does the Lord say, you are promised easy, you know, streets here. Up there is going to be great. Gold. It's going to be cool. But here you may have to persevere a little longer than you think. So Jesus said, be like this widow. Don't quit and don't give up. And if an unrighteous judge is willing to give in, how much more does your heavenly father look at you and say, you know what, listen, I want to come through for you. I want to come through for you. But understand, there is a spiritual war taking place. Don't quit praying. Okay? So let me give you this. Um, I can give you, I think, maybe one, maybe two this morning. Let's look at the prayer of consecration, Okay? <clears throat> and again, I've already kind of told you this about the different spears that, that they used and different things like that in, in, with the military. And this would be like one spear. Just think about this, one spear. It doesn't matter, pick it, doesn't matter to me. It's not about that. It's, it's about the weapon and what it's useful for. And so the prayer of consecration is very unique. This is the one that, um, in this region, I don't know if it's everywhere, but I know here, this is very predominant. This is the one that most people pray, especially when people are going through difficulties. Um, it is one that people, they, they use this all the time when people are sick. They use this certain phrase, and it's not biblical at all. And I'll, I'm going to prove it to you in a second. But this prayer of consecration is uniquely, is a uniquely given prayer that we pray uh, because we use this phrase in it. If it be your will. If it be your will. Prayer of consecration. <clears throat> This is what Jesus prayed in Matthew 26 and 39. I'll put it on the screen for you to see. But the Garden of Gethsemane, 
when Jesus struggled. You remember how many times we went back and forth to his disciples? Now, this is, understand, this is how many times they recorded it. We don't know how many times he actually went back and forth and said, hey, wake up and pray with me. We, we know he went back twice based on their text, but let's just be honest. Um, if Jesus was picking at you, how many times would you put down that you kept falling asleep during prayer? How many times, boys? I think two's enough. Don't you think they'll get the point with just two? Let's just, we don't know how many times we fell asleep. In the, in the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus knew the plan before he left heaven. He knew he had to die. He knew the plan. And yet, in that garden, he said, but Father, if it be possible... Take this cup from me. If not, if not, so be it. Your will be done. The prayer of consecration is uniquely given to uh, this statement, if it be your will. This is what you pray with things like this. Um, God, I will do whatever you want me to do, period. It's the prayer. You probably prayed something like this when you came to Christ. You didn't probably think about it, but you did. Lord, I'll, I'll follow you, Jesus. Yes, I say yes to you, Lord. You come to Christ, you pray a prayer, and then you're like, God, whatever you want to do, I'll do it. And then you hear about one of your friends who's prayed something like that, and all of a sudden they're on a flight and they're moving to China. going to be a missionary over there, and you're like, why'd you do that? I just prayed and asked God, whatever you want me to do, I'll do it. And then you're like, ah. God, I'll do whatever you want me to do as long as you can stay and keep me like, you know, in America where I don't have to eat bugs and stuff like that, whatever. That's not consecration. Because anytime you pray, I were just talking about this, going down the road the day, we were talking about this, praying about certain things, and it goes like this. God, I'll do whatever you want me to do. God, I'll do this, but it no longer is a prayer of consecration. The moment you throw a but in there, it's no longer his will. You've said, I will do it, but I got to have this in order to do it. That's bargaining. That's not consecration. And this is why this is all about the will of God. It has nothing whatsoever to do with your sicknesses, with your diseases, with your infirmities, with your finances, with your peace, uh, with your struggles, with a stronghold. You cannot pray this prayer if you are struggling with addiction. God, if it be your will, please take this addiction from me. That is a devil's prayer. I can't believe you'd say that. It is the demonic prayer. Why do you say that? Because it is his will that you not be addicted to anything but Jesus. I can, I can prove in Scripture. Say, well, what about sickness? Well, I, I thought that's what you pray when people are sick. No, no. Why even pray? Did I say it was easy? No, I did not say it was easy. Did I say theologically this was going to be an easy thing to hear? No, I did not. But if Jesus went about doing good and healing all that were sick and oppressed of the devil because God was with him, and he said unto you, go in all the world, preach the gospel. And one of the things he told us to do was pray for people who were sick. That means if your wife is sick or your daughter is sick, you're going to sit there and pray, well, Lord, if it's your will, please help my kid. I don't pray that mess. And I don't let anybody pray that mess over my family either. I don't care how dire the circumstances are. I will kick somebody out of my room if they pray that. You would do that? Yeah. Because they don't know what they're talking about. I don't even pray anything else. Lord, who knows what they'll say next? My gosh, get them out. 
You know, why do you think Jesus ran everybody out of Jairus' daughter's room? People said, well, she's already dead. And he said, no, she just sleep. <laughs> they just started laughing at him. Jesus, you're crazy, man. You've been hanging around, you know, that wedding of Cana. You was there too long, man. You're crazy. Get out of here. He got them all out. Why? Because they didn't believe anything. Did I say the struggle is easy? No. Did I say you're going to have to fight? Yeah, you're going to have to fight. But the reality is this. My kid, one time, it was, she had something in her eyeball. I don't remember what it was. Something stopped. One of the tear ducts, my oldest one, she was a little baby. I can't even remember. But uh, maybe a little older, taller. But she had one of those things, a tear duct closed up. And they was going to run a, they was going to run a, 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 a pin down it or some kind of like, you know, I'm not a doctor, but you know what I'm talking about, you know, docs, nurses, yeah. something to get the, the tear duct open up. It sounded awful. Like, my gosh, what in the world? I don't want to do that. And they said, well, if it doesn't clear up, we're going to have to do it. Well, you know, hey, we pray for her. We never pray, Lord, if it's your will, would you, would you, would you fix her tear duct? Why would I even pray then? Because if, if you don't know his will, might as well just whatever. You know, whatever will be, will be. No sense in praying anything. We do not pray if it's your will. If we know in scripture, it says this. Now, had her, did her tear duct open? Yeah, it did. But she's also had to have braces. So there you go. Does it mean that it, I don't deal with real issues? No, we've had real struggles and real issues. But even if we didn't get the answer we prayed for, I still don't pray, if it's your will, God, would you help my baby? No. This is very clear. When Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead, when he fed the sick, or when he healed the sick, when he fed the multitudes, he never prayed, God, if it be your will. He said, Lord, I thank you that you always hear me when I pray. If it be your will is praying consecration prayers. It's God. I'll take this job if you want me to. I'll do it, Lord. If you want me to do it, I'll do it. God, if you want me to go to this school, I really like this one better because this is where I really want to be, but God, I feel like you're asking me to do If you really want me to go to this school, okay, I'll do it. Consecration, do you all see what I'm saying, right? It, It is not about praying for God to help you it's a consecration of your will. It is not him. It's all about you. And if you need a moment in the garden, that's fine. But listen, other people may need moments in their gardens, then that's fine. But please don't pray anymore. If somebody asks you for prayer and they're either in addiction or they're struggling with a sickness or an illness or anything else that they have a major issue going on in their life, financial problem that's dire and they are in need, please don't pray, God, if it's your will. Please meet their needs. That, that's not, a, that's not a, revel, a relevant prayer because he says in his word, my God shall supply all of your need at $4.50 a gallon gas in Jesus' name. Amen. Do I like paying for it? No. I put the pump in the tank and went like this. When it was done, I just did this. I don't even want to look at it. But I'm... But my God shall supply my needs. That's what I pray. Now, I will say this about it, okay? I don't always pray for people. If you come down front and ask me to pray for you, and you come down here and bring me a list of stuff, and you say, I want you to pray that, that my wife or my husband will come back. Well, why aren't they there in the first place? Like, before I get and start praying with you, I need to know a little more than that. 
I need you to pray for God just to bless me with a, a new, uh, I need, I need enough money to pay, uh, pay for this new thing, whatever. Well, okay. It's one thing to pray for needs. Is this a want or a need? Cause if it's a want, see, I'm not, I can't, yeah. The Lord's giving you ideas and, and wisdom and how to make money and do that's different. The Lord has promised he'd meet your needs. He didn't say he'd promise he'd meet all your wants. Well, if that's the case, I got a few over here I'd like to fill in. You know what I'm saying? He he didn't do all that. So now I might be cautious in my prayer. Somebody's praying me one time, hey, I want you to pray that God will give you my kids back. Well, why don't you have your kids to begin with? Well, they got taken. Well, why did they get taken? So you got to, before I pray with you, I need to know a little bit more, but I'm still not going to pray if it be thy will for somebody who says, Pastor Jody, I'm sick, and I'm, I'm in bad shape. What's wrong with you? Well, I got cancer. Okay. Well, do you believe what the Lord says about his word? Yes, I do. I need somebody to pray with me. Okay, then. I'm never going to say if it be your will for that. Because God doesn't say anything about if it's your will or his will or anybody else's will. It's clear. It's in his Bible. So I'm going to pray directly in the name of Jesus. Father, we ask you to heal. Now, whether he uses doctors or whatever method, I don't care. But I'm never going to pray if it says somebody's will, if they're sitting there with sickness. We, y'all understand? It's consecration is about our will. And that's what it's about. So let me give you a second right here, and then we'll, because this goes right along with it. <clears throat> and then we'll wrap up with these two, I think, today. <clears throat> and that's the prayer petition. Um, and this is a praying for a very specific answer, okay? So a very specific answer. And this would be likened to like Elijah. So I'm going to give you this out of James, James 5, 17. Um, talking about Elijah. He was a man with a nature like ours, which I love. Because that tells me um, this cat called fire down from heaven at one moment. But if he had a nature like ours, that means what? He kind of let his mouth run sometimes. Right? He kind of got in trouble with his wife maybe sometimes. Like, you know, you should have taken out the trash, you know, last week, whatever. Well, I know he wasn't married, but you know what I'm saying. Like, you, he probably got, didn't have the best relationships all the time. I mean, his guy was a little bit different, you know? He was had a nature like ours. But watch this. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the earth for three years and six months. It's crazy, man. But he prayed earnestly, which means his prayers were not offered in haste. So when someone, if someone asks me for prayer, this is called the prayer petition. I'm coming before the Lord and I'm asking God something specific. Please help me pray that God will get my kids back. Okay. Before I pray for that, I need to know a little more. Do you see what I'm saying? I'm going to figure out what we're praying for first. <clears throat> and though, let me just say this, and you're not praying against the devil either. Nowhere in the scripture does it say, to pray against the devil. It says resist him. But I'm not, I'm praying to God. Father. His disciples said, teach us how to pray. Father. First thing, I'm going to the Lord. In the name of Jesus, I come before you today, Father. And Lord, I have a request today. It's a specific thing. But it can't be up in the air, wishy-washy stuff. So you have a need. Yes, I have a need. What is your need? I need a vehicle. Do you need a vehicle or you want a vehicle? No, I need a vehicle. So if I give you a vehicle, you're going to be fine with that. Yes. 
Here's the difference between a need and a want. If you say, well, if I give you a vehicle, well, what kind is it? No, you don't need a vehicle. See what I mean? Do you catch it, right? So, so petition, now we've got something to work with. Yes, I don't care what it is. I just, I've got to have transportation. Father, in the name of Jesus, we come before you right now. Lord, we ask you to help this individual with transportation, Lord. Do you see the difference? I'm petitioning God now because it's something I can pray for, but it's, it's not just wishy-washy. We know what we're praying about. This is what Jesus said, even in Hebrews 5, 7. When Christ prayed for the resurrection, listen to what Jesus prayed. He knew he was going to be resurrected from the dead, but watch what he said. He says, in the days of his flesh, Jesus, he offered up both prayers and supplications with loud crying and tears to the one, talking about God the Father, who was able to save him from death, and he was heard because of his piety. He offered up, though he knew he would be resurrected, he prayed specifically with prayers and supplications. That even though he knew he was going to die physically, and he did die physically for three days, he prayed and he trusted the Lord that he would resurrect him. Even though he could not see the end result, three days in the grave, he was pushed to the limit, if you will, at the cross, but he knew how to secure victory in prayer. Even though he was faced with such a dire circumstance. So when you're praying for a petition, there's some of you in this room right now, I'm just telling you. you, you, These two are mixed up with you. You're praying stuff like, God, if it's your will, I pray that you'd help me get through this week. The Lord wants you to get through the week. It's not if it's his will. My goodness, the Bible very clearly tells you this. You are more than a conqueror than him that loved you and gave himself for you. He has given you victory. I mean, greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. He wants you to have success. God help me get through the week. That's a very, uh, I hate to say it, but that's a very weak prayer. Let's get over here a little further. God, I know you want me to get through the week. Now let's pray for something different. See the difference. The posture of prayer matters. God, if it's your will, Lord, I just pray. I just pray you'd help my kid, help him get off of drugs. And I pray that you, he wants your kid off drugs. The scripture is very clear. Train up a child in the way that they go. And when they're old, they won't depart. Doesn't mean they won't rebel. Doesn't mean they don't, might go through some things. But you're trusting God to come through for that child. Not if it's his will, it is his will. So this morning, maybe there's some others in here. And I, you know, between that one and this prayer petition, you have something specifically you need to ask God for. And I don't know what it is, but there's some things in your heart you need to ask God for. So as we wrap up today, I want you to think about what that is. Specifically, what is it that you need to ask the Lord for? There's some things in your heart. There's some things in your heart. There's some things in your heart. Some things that you specifically, you haven't gone before the Lord. And here's why. Let's just be real. Can we just be real for about two more minutes this morning before we go? Why wouldn't you go to the Lord? I'm going to tell you why. Because you're afraid he's going to let you down. And well, I don't want to get my, this is what people say. Well, I don't want to get my hopes up. Listen, man, I would rather get my hopes up so high and fail than to live a life where I never, never put my, myself out there a little bit and ask God for, for something. Specifically, what do you need right now? What do you need? What's, what's just one thing? It doesn't have to be... T- 
What do you need? If Jesus were to walk through this room right now, and he was just to walk right beside you, and just put his hand on your shoulder and say, what can I do for you? What would you say? Well, I've, I've, God, did you give me a million dollars? No, 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 no. What do you want? Do you remember how many times he, he asked people that? He asked people those Jesus said, what would you have me do for you? He might have said a little bit different because of the way it reads in the scripture. But in the context, he was saying, what do you need? He told his own mom, mom, at the wedding feast of Cana. What are you doing? What do I have to do with thee here? Don't bring me into this party. But she did it, and he came through. What do you need right now? Instead of being afraid that God might let you down, what if he actually came through? And maybe it doesn't look like what you're thinking, but what is it? There's some things that I'm praying for. There's a number of things I'm asking God for. And can I just, can we just, can it be just for you right now? Is that okay that you would just ask God something for you personally or your family? I know there's plenty of chaos in the world that we would love for God to come through for, but let's put aside that mess for a minute and ask, if Jesus says, what can I do for you? What would you tell him? So I'm going to give you a chance right here. I'm going to pray for you. And in the posture of prayer, we're not going to pray, Lord, if it's your will, if you're sick. If you're not feeling good and you're not healthy and there's something wrong, your family member, you're not going to pray if it's your will. You're going to say, Lord, I know your scriptures say that by your stripes I'm healed. Now, I don't understand how this works, Lord. I'm not a, I'm not, I don't understand how you make this happen, but God, I'm, I am asking you to come through for my family member in this area and make them better. It's not about if it's his will. This is what I see. Now, I know people say, well, that, because you're afraid God's going to let you down. I'd rather line up with his word and trust what he says than, you know, kind of have a scapegoat of a prayer, you know. So right here, right now, just would you close your eyes and bow your head. If Jesus tapped you on the shoulder right now and he said, what can I do for you? Maybe it's peace that you need right now. And you have no peace in your life. Maybe it's a child. I don't know. Maybe it is... a financial need, or maybe it is a, <clears throat> a health need. Whatever it is right now, I just want you to just address that to the Lord. You don't have to be loud with it, but just as I pray for you, he knows already what you need. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, we come before you right now, Father. Maybe there's some prayers in here right now that need to be of consecration, Lord. There's some in here right now, Lord, they need to give you certain things that they're holding on to a little piece of it. Instead of submitting fully to your will, whatever area that might be in, Lord, in the name of Jesus, I ask you to help us to submit fully, to hear, and be able to pray bold enough, God, I consecrate my life to you, whatever you ask of me, Lord, I submit to you right now. Even if it's not what I want to do, Lord, I submit this to you in Jesus' name. And Lord, I pray for others in this room that they need to petition you right now. They have real needs that need to be addressed. They have 
some real things that, Lord, again, if you walked right by them and just tapped them on the shoulder and said, what can I do for you? So, Lord, I pray uh, for those in here who may be afraid to ask you of anything. Maybe they feel condemned or maybe they feel like they're not worthy of asking you. Maybe they feel like, well, because of sin or some other issue that they don't deserve for you to come through for them. But, Lord, I just I ask you to silence that uh, voice first, Lord. That there's no one in here that's worthy because Elijah was of the same nature as we are. If it weren't for you, Jesus, none of us could pray anything. So, God, I, help, I ask you to help us today to hear that. We have what we have because of you, Jesus, and we can ask because of Jesus Christ. We thank you for the grace of God that forgives and covers and restores. So, Lord, whatever it is that's in their heart, I just pray today they would give that to you and petition you. In the name of Jesus, whatever it is, Lord, even with fear of being let down, I pray that they would get their hopes up. I pray that we continue to ask, just like the widow that you gave the illustration of in the Bible. That they would ask and ask and ask and ask. Just keep bringing up before you, Lord, and continue praying and thanking you for the answer. And Lord, most of all, I pray if there's anybody here that doesn't know you today, I pray in Jesus' name, Lord, they would make a decision to follow you. <clears throat> so with your eyes closed and hear them, no one looking around right now, just for one minute. If you're watching online, the same thing. I just ask you to close your eyes and bow your head as we pray, but... If you're here and you don't know Jesus, you never accepted Christ. If you're watching online right now, you've never accepted Jesus Christ. <clears throat> this is a, a prayer of consecration right here, right now. You're going to say yes to Jesus. You're going to say yes to following Christ. Whatever he asks of you, you're going to say yes to it. That's what it means to make him Lord of your life. And you start by simply, as the Bible says, you believe in your heart that Christ Jesus died for your sins and was resurrected from the dead. And he tells us to pray and confess with our mouths that Jesus is Lord. So I'm going to lead you in a prayer, and the whole church is going to pray with you right now. And just repeat this after me, and that's exactly what you're doing right now. Just say this. Say, Dear Jesus, I come to you today, and I give you my life. <clears throat> I give you my heart. I give you my will. I surrender to you. In Jesus' name, I make you the Lord of my life. Amen and amen and amen. Man, if you prayed that prayer, we're so proud of you, right, church? Can you give my hand, please? So if you prayed that prayer, so proud of you, first of all. But understand what it means when we say, you make Jesus the Lord of your life. That means you're no longer in control. So I have had to pray prayers of consecration more than once. And as the longer you serve Jesus, let me tell you, they're never any easier. It's like, oh, are you serious, Jesus? That's what you want me to do this? Come on. You know, we sound like my little three-year-old sometimes, you know, when she was like little in that age range. We all do it still. It's consecrating things to the Lord. But that's what you're doing is he's the Lord. He's either Lord or he's not, you know. And so if you pray that prayer, if you're watching online at cornerstonerealm.com, there's a little right there you can fill out and let us know we'd love to help you get started watching uh, walking with christ we'll give you some materials i uh, help you start as a disciple of jesus but it's connect.cornerstonerealm.com in the room if you want to do the same thing you can or the seat back in front of you there's a card and you can fill that out for us and you can drop in the offering box on the way out the door 
we can get in touch with you as well. I hope you get started walking with Jesus and give you uh, some tools, help you in whatever we can, help you get started. So before we go, would you stand to your feet this morning? And um, I'm going to ask our prayer ministry team to come down front. And maybe we didn't cover specifically what you needed prayer for. Uh, but these guys and gals will be down here. And they love to, I didn't talk about it today, but the prayer of agreement, they would love to agree with you in prayer. Now, they may ask a question or two. You know, if you come down saying, I'm praying, God, give me $100,000. Well, they, they probably going to ask you some questions, you know. But uh, it, it's okay. Everybody needs prayer. We all need prayer. But a couple things I want to uh, remind you of real quick before uh, we do go. Um, next week, so next week's Father's Day, right? Have I got my dates right? Yeah? Okay, good. So next week, uh, dads, um, if you want to come early, uh, before church starts, uh, we're going to have uh, some breakfast out here, some games that will be in this building, and just have some fun, get together, just have a good time, hang out. It'll be before church. Uh, you come a little early, hang out. Uh, we're not going to preach at you, not do anything. We're going to eat some good breakfast, have some good times. It's going to be fun, some things set up for, for, for you, and, and just kind of just relax a little bit and uh, just cut up with each other. It'll just be before church. You can stay, and then your family show up. You can have church, and then go do whatever you're going to do. But I uh, just want to encourage you that. Come early. Have a good time with that. You'll get some reminders this week about that. And then uh, one last thing I want to just share with you is, if you had not signed up yet for your teenagers for the youth mission trip that's coming up, uh, you can do that. All that information is online uh, as well. But I won't, I'd love to encourage you, senior students, to that. It, it'll be a great, great thing. And one last thing, uh, thanks for your giving, and thanks for supporting the church and the work of God and what we're doing. Um, I really appreciate you guys right now, because I know, like I said, I get it. Like I think everyone else, but... Don't let the don't let the gas and the, and the bread and whatever else stuff don't don't let that mess with your head. The Lord is the one that meets my needs. Understand that? Well, trust the Lord no matter what. Just trust God. It's it's more fun that way anyway. So anyway, before you leave, Numbers chapter six and verse twenty four, uh, the scriptures say this: May the Lord bless you and may He keep you. May the Lord make His face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up His countenance upon you and may He give you His peace. God bless you guys so much. We'll see you next week. You're dismissed. If today's message blessed you, we want to encourage you to take a moment and share this podcast with a friend. Remember, there's one hope for every heart, and that's Jesus. See you next time.